Hello everyone and welcome to this Nintendo Life. My name is NBZ and I'm here at episode 90 of this here podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my brother-in-arms. It's Bally. How are you doing, Bally? Hi, NBZ. I'm back in... Back in the UK, back in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, but thought you were going to say sunny Scotland for a second, eh, which it's yeah, been a bit it's sunny. Been, it's been quite yeah. sunny on and off, too bad. as usual. It's not consi- It's never consistently sunny in Scotland. That's what you have to remember. Like never. Right. It's Absolutely. just kind of comes in in waves. But mm. I'm, I'm afraid I've still got my crappy microphone because yeah. uh, I, I've not my good microphone is in Brussels and I'm not back in Brussels yet because it's of course Easter right now, so we're having a little yeah. break. Hopefully the audio will be a little better this week. It was uh, we weren't sure about our levels last time. I came so in hot. Were, yeah, it came a little hot there. So hopefully things have calmed down a little bit. Um, but uh, we'll be back to regular on the next episode for sure. Um, so yeah, we're here. We're uh, we're ready to talk about some stuff, some video games. Nintendo Direct happened recently. It's the first one in a while, um, and that'll be part of our discussion. Bali, how about you tell the people uh, what the the plan of show is for the rest of today? So we're going to do a two-segment show. For the first segment, we are going to be, of course, talking about what we've been playing. Uh, And then for the second segment, we're going to do a a wrap-up discussion on that direct. So a couple of emails we've got pulled in that you very kindly sent to us. And then we'll give you a rundown of our thoughts on, on everything that was announced there. Yes, uh, thought that like because we had some direct emails and we don't want to ignore those. It's probably best to like wrap it all up together. So we've got some emails in there plus our thoughts on the Nintendo Direct um, and things going forward for the rest of 2017 because there's some uh, interesting things to talk about. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, kick things off. Let's get into the video game part of the show where we talk about what video games we've been playing. Um, Bally, you you just lost in Hyrule. I'm not sure you know where I'm the door lost is. In um, yeah, I... so. <laughs> Yeah, so while I was in the States, I didn't actually get as much free time as I might have hoped to sink more hours into Breath of the Wild. But I did sink The thing quite about a few going hours. on vacation is like you actually have to do some yeah, things. Yeah, you actually while you're are there. doing stuff and have to see the place you're visiting and not sit inside all day playing Zelda, which is just. Mm. <laughs> just you can do anywhere, so you have to like make the most of holidays. Uh, but I did play a bit on the plane and I've played a bit since. Uh, I am still a very long way from finishing that game, and I don't want to just sort of ramble about it a bit each episode, so I'm going to hold back my thoughts on things to do with that game. I should say I have tried out my Tuna Link amiibo now, and I got the the boomerang from Wind Waker, which is very cool. They call Uh, it the Sea Breeze boomerang? The Sea Breeze boomerang, that's it, exactly. Uh, And I haven't, I can't say I've even thrown it a single time because I'm currently. Well, better make sure you don't lose it. That's the one thing I found with boomerangs is, and especially with those kind of balloon puzzles with the Koroks, sometimes I would be using a boomerang to take those out so I wouldn't waste arrows. And the last hit on the balloon, because a little cutscene pops up and shows the Korok. The boomerang just flies past you afterwards. So I lost a couple of boomerangs for that because it was just like, oh no, cutscene like threw me off, so I couldn't catch it in my hand again. Well, I got out so. of the sea breeze boomerang, and because I'm I was up uh, Mount, goodness sake, what's it called, Death Mountain, um, Death Mountain, yeah, and it's of course very hot up there. So the boomerang uh-huh. just starts going on fire. I'm like, oh crap! So I have to like put it away. So I'm not actually throwing it uh properly yet but that's that's interesting i've got so much more i've i've only i'm still only one dungeon in but i am up to about 58 shrines so i'm going to do that's about halfway through in terms of shrine number yeah exactly i i think i'm getting on to halfway so 
Yeah, I think dungeons is a bad way to break down your progress in this game Definitely. because, quite honestly, you can kind of bust through this entire thing in 25, 30 hours if you wanted to. Like, if you wanted to mainline it, I think it's very easy to do that. Um, and especially because when I was getting near the end of the game, I still had two dungeons to go. And I, I like, within the space of 10 hours, I kind of done both of them. Um, so it's... Uh, as long, it's just the getting there that takes time you know it's like crossing this vast landscape because it is just mm. it's boundless as and i've just been said. doing a lot of aimless aimless exploring and really loving it and i don't want to sort of throw in the towel and give up that aimless exploring because i believe that's such a crucial part of the game so yes it is going to absolutely take me a, bit, a bit longer to beat and i think i will be longer than 100 hours like you or emmy said but that's my project it's going to keep going i will play something shorter and talk about it for next time because i can't just be a, a zelda breath of the wild uh, voice box for the rest of eternity so i will talk about something else but um i've also been experiencing uh zelda sort of through my girlfriend caroline who has been playing uh zelda link between worlds uh so she's about the first five. zelda that we talked about on this podcast the very because, first uh, one way back in november 2013 uh, yeah. which is a very long time ago now oh, God. Um, so i was playing and i am in the middle i guess of playing uh, majora's mask 3d and caroline sort of saw it and thought oh I, f- I fancy playing some zelda so she was keen to initially start with majora's mask and i was like Mm-mm, nope <laughs> i was like you can play majora's mask I'd highly recommend playing one of these other Zeldas first because Majora's Mask, it's not really, it's not really traditional Zelda. I don't think, I think it's a lot tougher than a lot of the other Zeldas, and I just don't think it's a very good starting point. Yeah, um, it's very confusing. It's weird. It, it doesn't really. I think, especially for like newer players, it's not very inviting as a game. You know, it kind of does. It demands a lot of you, essentially. Right. So. We settled with Link Between Worlds, and it was good because I, I with the Switch coming out. My 3DS has a lot more alone time, so my 3D ch- I could lend my 3DS to her, uh-huh. uh, and she can just play Link Between Worlds wherever she goes. So she's she's five dungeons in at the moment, um, and she hasn't used a guide once actually, which very is impressive yeah. for going in blind into like a Zelda game and having never played a Zelda game before. I think is really impressive. So that's that's sort of where she is so far, and it's really interesting just watching her uh, tackle puzzles and like go about a zelda game because it's it's almost like learning a new language right because, exactly because zelda is know, like a language experience. you're you're we go when we go into link between worlds having beaten most of the zeldas before it we come in with an idea of how zelda puzzles work how zelda dungeon structure works you know how, what the items are you know what their function is right, all that we, kind of stuff exactly where she's going in completely blind seeing switches and bomb switches and doors and maps and like just it's it's quite a lot and like the way that she's just understood well first of all she really hates looking at the map she likes just like working hours <laughs> and i'm just like the map helps you, you should use the map it's, it's a tool yeah you yeah and, and like so for the first three dungeons in link between worlds it was fine without a map and those are right they're, they're very easy especially right. the tower because it's a very tight area like the rooms are very small it's just an elevation game where you're like right. hitting the switches to like ping you up to the top and stuff I really like that dungeon, but it definitely has a very more simple, uh, streamlined feel to it. Mm, but as like she's getting further, and like the toughest dungeon she's done so far is the the dark and light dungeon in the east of Low Rule. I, I believe it's called the something Eastern Palace or something. I can't remember. Yeah, I, yeah, um, I don't remember. It's 
it's considerably tougher because you're you're destroying uh, planks of wood and uh, breakable rocks throughout that dungeon to let in light into these panels uh, right. on right outside the boss room, essentially that allow that, that open the gate that let you access the boss door. So using maps and stuff and like understanding the structure of that dungeon becomes far more important. So maybe. So, some of those things became a bit tougher perhaps but sure yeah you know she's getting there she's enjoying it and like she's great yeah in paris she was she was just in paris doing the paris marathon the other weekend uh while i was in the states and and then i get like this message from her where it's just a picture of her on the on the uh train back to brussels with like her beer and her marathon medal and 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 just a 3ds just on the train just open playing link between worlds i was like wow you actually bought with you because i didn't even think she was gonna bring it with her but yeah she's actually enjoying it and like it's that's great going well so i think that i think there are tougher dungeons to come uh but over i think it's a great learning experience as to like what it's the fundamentals of zelda broken down into like a really quite a fast paced zelda uh that's not overly obscure and not overly challenging but still gives you the fundamentals which is which is good yeah it's uh it's probably i would say the best starting point for if you want to get into the series like um and that's coming from someone who isn't the biggest fan of the 2d entries uh but i think that that game with the mechanic of you know painting on a wall it's interestingly leans into the 3d design in Mm. that 2d world and like i I was gives you a good perspective i was just battling some enemies on breath of the wild it, obviously in a 3d world and caroline was like oh i just it, when i'm watching you play this i want to just jump into the wall and like avoid those enemies because that's like <laughs> that's like a really standard technique in right in worlds when there's a lot of enemies and you just need a break and to get away from them you just go into the wall and sidle away uh and so it's jarring almost a bit like the way that you you've described playing wind waker after breath of the wild yes. is quite jarring all Zeldas, while they have while they have this theme running throughout them, they can be very jarring swapping between them, or at least attempting to do it seamlessly. So totally, yeah. yeah. So she's got yeah. another, I guess, six dungeons left of that game, and I'm sure okay, I'll, cool. I'll drop in and see how how she's doing by the end of that game. But yeah, like I said, sure. I'll try and beat something a bit smaller for next time, and can not bore you with just pure Zelda chat, but. MBZ. I, I look, I'm not sure. I'm not sure people ever get bored with Zelda chat. If, if I'm honest, you know. I mean, yeah, we're a Nintendo podcast. That's what you're here for. But uh, MBZ, I hear you've been. Other long games weren't enough for you. You've decided, like, let's just bite off another long game. So, what have you been playing? Yeah. So, 2017 is just savage. Uh, there are good games just dropping like bombs like, on you us. You own and... a PS4 and you've not even bought Horizon. Like, I how know. Many, how many PS4 owners haven't picked up Horizon? Dude, I was so fucking excited for Horizon. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm nowhere close to touching that game. Um, so the the big game that came out recently was Persona 5, uh, which I mentioned I had got about eight hours into last episode. Since then, I am 60 hours oh, boy. in Persona 5. <laughs> um yeah so basically because i finished my dissertation so i had a week where i was like okay i'm not i've got exams to revise for but i'm just going to take this week off where i'm not really doing anything and i have my big tv at home it's beautiful lovely i played a little bit of zelda on it actually just to see how it worked and uh it's really good it looks really like 
Zelda looked okay on my TV, and I mainly played it on my PC monitor because it had better contrast and things. But playing it on this big TV now, oh, it's, it's better looking than anything I've played on it so far. Um, maybe comparable to the the Switch screen itself, but. Mm. In any case, I have this sofa and I can just sit on and just have this massive TV with this Japanese RPG, um, which ultimately I have discovered that I would really love for this game to be on the Switch because yeah. the TV can get monopolized. My dad comes in. It was he's, rumored uh, for a while to be on the Switch, wasn't it? Yeah, there were some rumors. I think ultimately, you know, PlayStation made this deal with Atlas to, to have it exclusive. And I think there is a possibility that they make a, you know, another version say persona 5 crimson as akin to like persona 4 golden um where they could like mm. not necessarily be the exact same game where they like add things and change some slight differences and would you and buy put it again out. <laughs> i don't know it's a big game valley but uh <laughs> yeah having it on the switch would be fantastic so i imagine maybe in a couple of years time that could potentially happen um and if that does happen i would say hey bally maybe this is uh you know one of those games you could jump into the series with because i think it actually is a very good starting Mm. point i think it's probably a lot of people's first jumping in point with the series um and uh i think a lot of people have been very impressed by it so Mm. i'm gonna give you a top level premise just to lay it out there so you don't think i'm just going on about nonsense so (laughs) you know the the core idea of the persona series is you play as a high school student you're usually uh you've moved to a different school for a year usually like that's the span time period where you're like going from month to month and day to day and it's usually about a nine month to ten month period of of playing the entire game through and so uh, as this high school student you've come to tokyo and the reason is is because you have basically been put on probation you committed a crime or seemingly committed a crime even though it was totally not your fault and you've been basically um taken under the influence of powerful people who have screwed you over essentially uh it's it's very light spoilers but like the opening of the game you kind of see this scenario where this woman is essentially being harassed and you can see that it's a really bad situation this dirtbag guy is trying to basically take her in a car it's really horrible and you basically go up to him to try and stop him and uh some shit happens he like falls over it's not actually your fault but then he basically gets you arrested even though you're trying to save this woman from being sexually assaulted which is fucking shitty like it really puts you in this scenario where you're like okay like a lot of this game's premise is the adults are fucking assholes like all of them everyone is corrupt like uh it's it it takes the stance that like the young people have to change the world and um it's kind of i don't know it's in times like these it kind of has a resonant message to it where like political corruption and all these things there's a lot of um you know ideas of people taking advantage of younger people and you know lower classes and stuff like that it's persona's always been kind of politically charged in a way in a way that i think you would be quite interested in Hmm. Um, and it's set like in modern day japan it is yeah so that's the interesting thing about it being a jrpg i think it's a nice way to relate it back to stuff like earthbound right which you know the whole anti-fantasy idea yeah um so you're you you know you're wandering around japan going around tokyo seeing all these different sites and all that stuff um and an interesting part of that is this realization of japan is supposedly quite similar to how you know the actual real world looks so you're in like shibuya train station and one of the first things you have to do is get to school but it doesn't signpost you at all like you're in this japanese underground everything's written in japanese there's some english around the place but you're like the the task you're given is get to school and you have to get on the ginza line which is like one of the railway lines 
and it's a pretty big station and you're just kind of wandering around being like what the fuck how do i it really gives you that sense of being in a foreign country and not knowing where the hell to go like being stuck on this train station um and people who i've listened to on other podcasts have said uh it was on 84 play because they obviously live there and they know that country their task to get there was so simple because they know the Shibuya underground system so they just went exactly where they needed to yeah. go uh, I thought that was very cool so it's, it does a really good job of doing that stuff so we're, we're still can... waiting on Rockstar to do an Edinburgh based open world game yes and you know, you, the funny thing is with Rockstar actually being based right. in Edinburgh that's you think why, it yeah. happened that's why I referenced it yeah yeah no that would that would be amazing I would it's be so pipeline. down with that must be must be yeah well we'll see um yeah, GTA Scotland would be amazing. Uh, that would be <laughs> yes. very, very cool. Um, but yeah, so you go to places like Akihabara and uh, Shinjuku and, you know, they are essentially real. Like, they're not very open. They're kind of like linear corridor areas. So you're just mm. going past shops and, and seeing different places. But uh, it's very vibrant and very lively and a really cool place to be in. So I think it, it does that well. It's very different from Persona 4 because persona 4 you were kind of out in the sticks like you were in this very rural japanese town um that i loved because it had this very kind of small town feel that was very homely and very like um i don't know it 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 captured me in in a way um and i i was afraid that losing that would kind of lose something from this game but it's just a different feel you know it's just it's slightly uh, a different perspective and uh, i can i can still appreciate it so in essence as these high school kids the the loop of the game is you know you're going to school and you're hanging out with people and you're seeing all this stuff there's also this narrative going on of hey these adults are scumbags and we need to change them and we need to basically uh save people from these horrible situations by going into their minds and taking their heart and this is kind of the marketing message behind persona 5 is is take your heart um and so that means that you're basically going into these dungeons which are essentially manifestations of people's cognitions so they're so like for example the first one you go into is it's they're all called palaces um and there's this teacher who kind of views himself as the king of the school like the king of the castle almost and so his palace is a castle and you go through it and there are like the enemies are like um they look like knights and uh, there are lots of like uh, things that make it look like you know a castle setting all that stuff but you're essentially within his cognition and trying to change everything and make it so that he's not a scumbag essentially like so you're not going in there with the intent of murdering him or anything you're just trying to uh, steal his treasure which basically changes his his heart and then he basically opens up afterwards and is like oh my god what did i do um and you know he gets arrested and all this shit but um but that's kind of the core of the game is you are finding these people who you need to take down and you're going after them. And so this theme of being a thief is very much kind of built into the gameplay. So when you're going around these palaces, um, you can hide. You can basically uh, go into cover and enemies won't see you when they walk by you. And you can ambush them like when they're nearby. So you can basically get a jump and get the first attack in before they get a chance to do anything. Um, there's also uh, the ability to like steal different treasure and from the palaces. And then when you go outside them, you can sell that for money to kind of help your funds and everything. So they're doing a good job of getting that theming across of being this thief and uh, kind of linking that into the gameplay um and it works very well it's just so uh it's very contextual i think so in terms of like mechanics and what you've described to me i'm struggling to visualize like what other jrpgs or rpgs that an rpg noob like me i'm maybe not a noob anymore i've played a few but what yeah what does it 
what does it play like? Are we talking more Final Fantasy, Xenoblade Chronicles, or is it something as basic as more Pokemon? It, it's very hard to kind of it's doing its boil own it thing. down. But yeah, because it is very much doing its own thing. So, like, if, you, if you're talking about, like, what's the day-to-day, what do you what do? You do? Yeah. So, the day-to-day is... The way Persona games are broken down is you have free time during, like, the day and then during the night. So, you'll go to school in the morning, and sometimes in the morning, uh, you're going on the train, and it'll be... You've you, you got to see it on the train. So, on the train, oh, okay, I've got some time on the train, I'll read a book. So, you just pick the item to read a book, and you're reading a book, and that, that helps your social stats. There are, like, five different social stats, uh, including kindness, charm, like, guts, all these things that kind of help you uh, engage with other characters. Like, there are certain characters where you're like, oh, your charm isn't high enough to get this girl to like you or whatever so so you need to like up those stats in order to to do that and by reading a book on the train uh you like basically add a point to that and that kind of stuff and the whole day so, night cycle is like just it constantly goes on and on and on and you're yeah so every day school every day or right but you know there's summer holidays where you have oh, more right. free time um and then you know there, there are story moments when you won't be able to kind of do what you want it's very much hey there are cut scenes for a few days and we're just going to tell you the narrative so it does kind of take you out of it for some period of time um but yeah so like hey w- one day i could be oh i really need to increase my charm so i'm going to go to the bathhouse for a bit or i need to do laundry because i found these dirty clothes in a dungeon and if i wash them then they'll become like actually good pieces of equipment so you have these like minor tasks that you can go and do but every task you do takes up time so you are basically managing your time as you go through these different days and kind of thinking okay i want to increase my um my confidant link which is they used to be called social links which is uh you know um hanging out with different characters and learning a bit of their backstory and then you basically go up a rank with them which in this game they've um they've done a better job with that because every time you rank up there's some new abilities you can unlock so you know for example i said you can go do laundry Mm. there's this one character if you rank up with her enough she for a fee so you can pay her like five thousand yen she will go and do your laundry for you and free up that time so if i want to do something in the evening like hang out with a different person but i also have to do this laundry i can call her up and be like okay you do this for me i'll pay you and i can spend my time doing something else which is really valuable because time is very important in this game yeah sounding like a a tad harvest mooney in that in that sense yeah maybe where you do have this time this calendar and essentially you're building up things that make doing things within that calendar more efficient so like in our exactly. you can pay someone to go and like harvest your crops etc yeah so so that's uh that's a lot of um the kind of social aspect of the game and going to school is like i'm building up stats and i'm building up relationships basically so these are the two things that i'm kind of keeping in balance and like sometimes i'll need to go heavy on one and sometimes i want to up another but you always want to try and be as diverse as possible because you unlock really cool abilities so there's this one guy who's uh, he's kind of this washed up politician and you hang out with him and you kind of learn you know speech making from him and this ties into the mechanics of fighting because in previous persona games i think very early on in the series there's this idea of demon negotiation which is in order to get people on your side think of it like pokemon you know when pokemon you're catching them with pokeballs that's how you get them on your team 
in Persona 3 and 4, at the end of battles, it would just be kind of like this slot machine thing where you'd press the button to, to like, land on a different card. And so if you, like, timed it correctly, you would unlock a new uh, Persona for yourself. Yeah. So it was very simple, like, hey, I'm just going to hit a thing. It's very easy. In this game, they bring back this idea of demon negotiation, which is it's in other Super Shin Megami Tensei games where you are having um, a chat with a demon after you've, like, knocked it down and you try to convince them to join your side and so all these demons have different personalities be they like irritable or kind or timid and so you have three different responses and the response you give has to like align with that and if you don't then if you give them like the bad response they'll start fighting you again essentially so it's a little bit of a risk reward thing where you have to talk to them in order to get them on your side but the way this uh, like lines up with the politician guy is by talking to him you increase your skills of speech making so you essentially unlock hey here's a chance for me to just get this demon on my side without having to go through this negotiation at all right and so it's this really cool idea of the the story and the context of you hanging out with this guy and learning to be better at talking is implemented into the gameplay and that's something as you know i really love in games when it does that where it kind of ties mechanics into storytelling so so that's awesome and i think that uh, a lot of these social links have great benefits to them as well as like really neat stories like you'll you'll go through and, and f- see someone's trouble and try to help them out and it's a very satisfying loop and i think the thing that really strikes me about this game is how goddamn polished it is, right? Because something we talk about with Nintendo games, about why they resonate with us and why they kind of have that extra sheen on top, is the little things. Like in, in Breath of the yeah. Wild, like the animations, the, the fact that you can go up to a dog and spin in a circle and he'll spin next to you. Like the utmost attention to detail and care is taken. And Persona 5 just has that sheen and polish all over it. It's just every little animation that happens, every menu you open, the UI is so colorful, it pops. It's just the sound design is fantastic. Even just like Xing through advancing text has a little pop to it that sounds great. That's the sort of stuff that for me, it takes a good game to an incredible game. Like it's the cherry on top that elevates it from, okay, I really like this to this is just on another level. Um, and I think that's something that Nintendo does very frequently is they take these kind of things and, and they, they raise them up. So so that stuff has just has got me in love with it because it just it feels great to to go through, even if you're just listening to the story. Um, and uh, and that has been it's been really fun to do. Um, so in terms of battle stuff it's very similar to the previous games um you have obviously this demon negotiation aspect which i think is cool but also now your characters can earn experience when you're not even using them which is something i had a big problem with in the previous games and it meant that i essentially picked my party and never changed it like i didn't experiment with other characters and i wasn't encouraged to do so and i think that's something i like about jrpgs when they're done well is and this is the case with Xenoblade, is like every character gains experience no matter what. So if you're far into the game and you haven't used someone, they're still viable because they, they've still been growing along with everyone else. Um, and I think just with a game like this, you have to do that because otherwise it becomes a bit of a chore. Like you don't... I, I actually really like what they've done with the dungeons in this game because the palaces, they're not 
randomly generated anymore that was the mm. thing in the past is they were just corridors they had theming to them um and that was neat but they were just corridors and you go up the staircase more corridors go up the staircase and it was just like a numbers game of i'm just running into enemies and killing them and not much interesting is going on here whereas these palaces are not only uh filled with enemies and stuff but they are much more designed around puzzles and figuring out how to get from one room to the next and it's a truly designed game there's no randomness here like everything is contextual and so this is like maybe minor spoilers for the second palace but there is a puzzle where you have to jump into paintings and like the whole idea of uh, this the second kind of case you're going on is you're investigating this painter who has been like abusing his students and stuff and uh, one part of the pu- uh, palace is a puzzle where you're going from one painting to another you're kind of like harry potter you know how the paintings like move between them yeah like you're moving between different paintings and like depending what direction you go in you can get to a different one and so it's like this kind of navigation thing as you go through these different pieces of artwork and i thought you know it's not necessarily that groundbreaking but it is it's a thing that breaks the monotony of just running through these areas and not really getting anything different aside from fighting enemies and i really like that and it's it's definitely kind of taking the idea that Tokyo Mirage Sessions had, which was those designed dungeons, which had kind of minor puzzle elements to them. But these, I think, are much better done. They're much better designed. They're much more fun to figure out. And they give you the sense of pacing that is is much better. Like, you're never kind of stuck doing the same thing again and again. Um, and I appreciate that because that was... If I'm thinking about, like, the worst elements of the Persona series being in a dungeon is absolutely not what i want to be doing like i want to be out in the world and that's why in every game i always get them out of the way as fast as possible i'm like i don't want to spend my time grinding because my time is way more valuable doing other things i enjoy yeah. um so so it's, it's very much a balancing act and you know i'm playing this game on easy i usually play these games on easy and that is more of a hey i don't like grinding thing um but this game you know it gives you relatively ample save rooms you can kind of leave the palaces whenever you want whenever you get to one of those but i have found kind of giving myself some difficulty by trying to push through and do them uh, like in one shot if i can or in two shots because sometimes they kind of break it down so you can't like bash your way through um and so my uh my difficulty is derived from there are very few like sp healing items so like magic point stuff there's very few of ways to replenish that stuff so i kind of get down to this point where i'm like i'm really running low so i need to be very careful around these enemies and make sure like i don't get into a battle with a really hard one um because that might spell my end um and so i'm kind of creating my own difficulty despite the game not being too tough on its own Uh, and i think that's a good balance because i think it it can maybe be a little too easy if you just kind of um you know stick it on that and don't don't worry but uh yeah i i'm absolutely hooked by it so far i i'm absolutely look i played 60 hours of it in a very (laughs) short period of time and it's i'm trying to like contextualize in my head whether i like this more or less than persona 4 and it's very difficult because i think persona 4 is a very special game it has a, a narrative that i am probably more invested in it's kind of a murder mystery thing it's just something that i personally like more from from a game from any narrative really i just i'm very i love the phoenix wright series i really like danganronpa like a a good murder mystery is something that i can get invested in like i love the first season of serial which you you listened to but i don't think you were as deep into it as i was as hot on it perhaps yeah so so for me personally like 
from that perspective it's something and i really like the small town vibe and i just adore those characters and it's something very emotional tied up in persona 4 for me and so far you know i haven't quite got that same connection but i think these characters are amazing there's some really good uh dialogue scenes and conversations and just moments that have happened so far um and i still have a lot to go and the the central mystery is still kind of hanging over so i want to see how that pans out and by the end i hope that it will be just as fulfilling uh, as persona 4 was but um this is absolutely like in terms of polish in terms of streamlining the game and taking out things that were bad replacing them with other things and keeping the core essence of what made persona great this is the right place to jump in it is an outstanding looking game like for a game that started development on ps3 has an amazing art style to it again if you want to relate this to nintendo breath of the wild not the most technically savvy game but gorgeous because of its art direction and persona is the exact same like Mm. the splash screens that happen at the end of battles the character portraits that pop up when they're speaking their dialogue so crisp and and really nice to look at it's absolutely a treat visually um and and that's something that i think can't really be understated because so many elements of this game are are amazing and that actually um is one that maybe gets lost in the shuffle when you're talking about like some of the great things uh, about persona um but yeah if you're if you're on the fence i would say you know go for it it's uh look it's people like to get the money worth out of games and this year for certain has that going <laughs> like in spades there are so many games that are going to give you hundreds of hours of uh, of joy um and this is one that i don't think you should miss out on um because it's special it does some some really good stuff so um i think that i'm sure you'll beat it for next time is it yeah i hope so i'm getting deeper into revision now so i'm probably only gonna be playing it in the evenings but um yeah i'm i feel like i'm so another little thing about it is it's kind of told through this frame narrative where you kind of start the game in media res like you're just in the middle of a a heist and you basically get caught and the entire storyline is told through an interrogation scene so like you're sitting in this room with this this woman and she's kind of asking you about everything that happened and so it basically flashes back and forward in time as you're going through the story and i've just got to a point in time where i'm like oh i think i'm going to catch up to where that narrative is so i think things are going about to happen shit's going to go down um so so yeah i'm looking forward to it and uh, and we'll see how it closes because um yeah, this is goddamn ballet. In any other year, this would run away with my fucking game of the year, right? Like <laughs> in any other year, year it's but it's it's not. It's it's hard. Um, so, so there you go. Uh, there's my deep thoughts on Persona Five. Um, and uh, I know it's not Nintendo, but I think this is a game that if it came to the Switch, boy, you should all check it out. For sure. So, with that said, Bali. Then we're going to close out this segment, and uh, after the break, we will be back with some discussion of the most recent Nintendo Direct. Don't go anywhere, we shall return.
Alright everyone, welcome back to the second half of the show, uh, wherein we shall be discussing the Nintendo Direct. It's risen again from the Ashes Valley. So I believe it's the first like major, hey, we're talking about multiple games Nintendo Direct in a while. And it's weird because they kind of positioned it as it's just kind of focusing on ARMS and Splatoon. They talked about quite a lot of stuff, uh, right. considering that was going to be the main focus. So I guess the last one we had was the Nintendo Indies-focused one. Um, yeah, the Indies one. that was very fast-paced and got through a lot of games, which we can obviously talk about with this one. Yeah, um, totally. But, yeah, this is sort of like, hey, the Switch is out. It's now the, it's now all about the Switch and the 3DS. We're going to talk a lot about games coming out on those systems. Uh, and this is sort of the time window before E3. Let's rattle through games, essentially. Yeah, basically. And uh, I think a lot of this stuff is kind of inconsequential uh, when you think about kind of a larger picture, maybe. Yeah. Like, some, some of these announcements seem very... Very padding out, you know. I think they kind of wanted to have this quick hit news list feel to it, and that means that a lot of the stuff being talked about is, oh, the Rayman Legends remakes coming out. Okay, we knew that. Is there anything new to say? No, not really. It's just coming out, you know. Like it kind of had that kind of feel to it yeah. to some degree. Uh, but there are some interesting things in here, um, and I think that it would be. Uh, good to kind of pick those out so uh, we're going to be uh, kind of running through this we've got a couple of emails that we'll save till afterwards uh, and kind of give our thoughts on all the things that were discussed i think maybe let's leave uh, arms and splatoon uh, for the end let's sure. go through the short things first um and then we can talk about those and then uh, we, can, we can grab some emails so um i'm kind of referencing a list which is based on the north american nintendo direct which differed slightly from the european one there are some some things interesting in there some in jokes happening with the european one which will matter to no one apart from don koopman and like five other people uh but uh we'll, we'll get to that stuff because that's it's pretty funny um but uh let's let's kick things off as they kicked it off with that pikmin game that uh, was it's announced a, a while ago it does and uh it seems like nintendo are kind of uh, leaning back to the n64 glory days from hey you pikachu because it's called hey pikmin um <laughs> sounds like I a mobile game <laughs> It does, yeah. I don't think Hey Pikmin's a particularly good name for this video game. I'm not sure how you feel, Bally. It's not It's not great. I think it's good in the sense that it makes it very, very clear that this, this is not a mainline Pikmin game and that it's yeah, something sure. different. It's a bit smaller, two-dimensional, obviously. Uh, looks okay. I, I'm not overly buzzed about this, really. I think I was maybe a bit more buzzed before, but that was before I had my hands on the, on the Nintendo Switch. Right, uh, and now I'm kind of in the mood for just buying the top tier Switch games, and otherwise just trying to clear up a bit of backlog. So I don't know; it might be difficult. I can't see myself getting this launch, but perhaps in the it, future. It's a very end of system kind of game, yeah. you know. And I think like a lot of this stuff you can see on the 3DS side feels like that. Like the majority of this stuff is localizations from Japan, and then there are a few things just left over from Hey, we announced this, we started work on it, we're gonna release it you know so yeah. so it kind of falls into that category um it looks about as good as i expect it to you know it's being made by our zest who are kind of like this you know um they were formerly r2 or some of them were you uh, worked uh, on the kind of yoshi's island games and those are not particularly great games from people's accounts mm. and i think bali you're generally kind of burned out on yoshi 
um, oh, Yoshi, right. should I say? Uh, let's not let's not yeah. lean into Come our American on. cousins, <laughs> the Yoshta. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think some cool stuff being done with the kind of two screens. I always like that. Uh, it's one of my favorite things about the the DS Zelda games is the bosses always kind of took up two screens, and you could see like their kind of mammoth size uh, and, and stuff there, which I think works well for Pikmin because you have this idea of these very small guys uh, going up against this kind of big enemy. Um, yeah. So I, I like that. I think that's neat. Um, and maybe the, the name works because Hey Pikmin is probably the shit I'm shouting my screen when I'm playing that game. Or hey. Normally a Pikmin's like, hey, fucking Pikmin, get over here. What are you doing? Don't run into the sea, you idiots. Like, um, So yeah, maybe it has a bit of a Lemmings feel to it almost. And I guess Pikmin kind of has that anyway. But mm. uh, I, I don't know when that's coming out. They did give a release date. I think it's summertime, maybe. It might be in May. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I'm not really paying attention to the release date for that one. Uh, as you could probably tell, because <laughs> uh, not really top of our radar. Uh, so next up was Ever Oasis, which, uh, you know, we've heard about this game. It's a game that Grezzo are working on. Um, doesn't seem to be uh, telling us anything too new about it. It seems like, hey, this is this RPG thing we've been working on. We've got to finish it, so we've got to finish it. Um, it's probably something that I'm more interested in checking out in a couple of years' time when it's cheap and, and not really... And when it's not you know, 2017, when the 100-hour AAA games come out. <laughs> exactly yeah when we were in the eye of the storm i'm sorry ever oasis but you're not really gonna take any yeah of my this attention. direct came at the worst time in terms of eye of the storm kind of totally yeah totally um and so uh moving into the japan section then we have uh, localization announcements for a few games uh monster hunter stories is coming out uh bali i don't know if you knew much about this before you no, saw the uh i the remember video. You, t- you were explaining how this was uh, more JRPG and, and yeah. less traditional Monster Hunter, which was a bit of a change. Yeah, totally. It's it's like turn-based battles, and I think it kind of takes some elements of Monster Hunter, but moves it into more of a, I wouldn't say kid-friendly, but it definitely has that kind of yokai watch kind of look to it, you know? I was looking at this on the screen, I was like, Matt, this might be the best-looking 3DS game ever made. It is absolutely gorgeous. Something about Capcom, they can really push the 3DS to its limits. Like, you look at um, the Phoenix Wright games, and they look fantastic. Like, I think Capcom has a knack with the 3DS of really getting the most out of it. And Monster Hunter Stories looks phenomenally good. Like, from a visual perspective, like, art style-wise amazing so um i'm way more interested in this than i ever am in any normal monster hunter game um just because it kind of has this kind of quirky like very you know playful look to it and um i think that i might check it out at some point again not in the near future but uh i'm glad it's coming over because that's was one of those games which i wasn't sure if they're going to localize it or not um next up is yokai watch 2 uh, psychic specters which i believe is the third version of the yokai watch 2 games it's like pokemon yellow ballet um okay. it's like the third one uh and i i'm very confused as to why they're even bringing this out but you know oh, they well. might as well uh and you know this this is for uh, north america because in europe we don't even have yokai watch 2 yet i believe like that's not even coming out so on our stream they just showed us hey yokai watch 2 is coming out uh in in europe so that's going to happen this year we're maybe like six months behind them i think in terms of these releases but i think there's only one more yokai watch game to come out which is the third one um and that'll that'll maybe happen i don't know at this point it's really weird if they continue down that line because you would imagine by 2018 a new 3ds game coming out seems a little weird but uh I don't know about it. Something everyone keeps questioning why Nintendo are going and doing 3DS stuff. I really think that because of Pokemon Go 
and the injection they had from sun and moon there are so many new 3ds owners now that they yeah. probably feel like they should give them something i don't know but it's, it's kind of contrary to what they've done in the past which is kind of leave systems i think behind. it's also I, it's also too early in the switch's life cycle to just say right switch is a success we need to yeah. focus on switch they need to just uh sh- What's the phrase I'm looking for that's to do with eggs? Don't put all their eggs in one basket. There we go. Yes, yeah. That's the one um, I was looking for. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, we, we're kind of hedging their bets a little bit when exactly. it comes to comes to that. So, so yeah, uh, that's happening. I liked the first Yokai watch. It got boring, so, you know, it. I don't think I want to play another one of those games. <laughs> it's going to be the same thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's there's some cool things going on there. Um, then we have some weird stuff, Cold Set Revolt, which Cold Set is a series that's been going on forever in Japan. It's kind of card-based strategy kind of thing. Um, I don't really have any interest in that. But, hey, great for the people who love that stuff. Uh, RPG Maker Fez, which is essentially a, uh, you know, it's a tool for creating RPGs. RPG Maker has been on PC for years, uh, and it came out, I think, last year in Japan on 3DS, or maybe a while ago, uh, there and i was telling you bally about this and you're like oh that's really weird like i don't think you've ever heard of this before but uh it kind of mm. has mario maker vibes to it because it's a game creation tool but i think this is way more in depth than a mario maker would be like it has system stuff that is mm. is more hardcore um so i don't know that's that's cool like it i think the, the 3ds is a great platform for that stuff because creating on a touchscreen is always kind of analogous to being on a pc with a mouse and keyboard um so great good stuff um, then there's Metopia. Bali, what's Metopia? I don't know. Does anyone know? Does anyone know? Can but someone hey, it's still please? Coming. It's coming. It's. I don't. Okay, so Metopia. Me's just need to go and die. I've decided they just need to. You're right. Go. They're, You're their right. Time like... has come. They've been here since 2006 or whenever the Wii came out. And, yeah, the Switch branding just doesn't align with the Miis anymore, I think. Like, it's it's gone in a different direction. They're in direction. there. They're in there. You can they're still in there. make like, a Mi on your profile. It's funny. Profile. They're in there, but they're kind of buried. Like, they are under a menu, like, exactly. within the why, system exactly. settings. Exactly. Why bury them? Why not just kill them off? And t- you've, you've killed off everything else from the Wii U. Why not just kill off yeah. the Miis? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, it's um, strange. Metopia is like, hey, it's Tomodachi life, but what if it was a JRPG and you couldn't control your characters and they do what they want? Um, okay, we'll there's see. some guy at Nintendo who just thinks, who's just sat there in the corner of every single meeting, who had his, glo- sun, his time in the, and, and sun and glory time when the Wii was a massive success on the back of Mies, etc. And he says, yeah. one, at the end of, end of every meeting, he says, one day, Mies will become popular again. Don't kill them off, just in case. And, and they, they will just, rise. And they, they will rise again, and they just sort of linger on at the bottom of all these games and systems, and it's just a waste. Yeah, it is. Um, but hey... Let's not dwell too much. Let's move on. Um, Fire Emblem Echoes uh, got a bit of a spotlight. And what was the spotlight? It's like, hey, you're buying this game. Give us more money. DLC. Yay. Season pass. Yay. Which I think if I have um, anything to say about Nintendo's DLC plan generally across a lot of games, they do different things. And, you know, they've had some good stuff, uh, some stuff not not so great. But Fire Emblem DLC, I think, is mm, some of their... Worst DLC. It's just like map packs uh, not, and things, isn't it? It's map packs. It's not... I think they're kind of overpriced for what they are. And mm. 
you don't i look i haven't bought many of them i usually just get like the experience level one and the gold grinding one all that stuff to just make things more convenient for me when i'm playing through the normal game um but yeah i've never been a big fan of the fire emblem dlc um it's fine but like those games are so full of stuff anyway that it seems like adding on is is whatever but especially for a game that's fucking like 20 years old which is literally just a remake so hey we've got dlc for a remake but you know that's what they're gonna do still looking forward to that game that's coming out may 19th so uh it's literally the day after my last exam so you know what i'm gonna be doing (laughs) as soon as that happens (laughs) um kirby has its 25th anniversary what are they gonna do oh they're gonna take mini games out of robobot and sell them on the eShop what a what a celebration they're, they're, not, they're not even online they're just like no ugh, ugh, yuck don't want I, I would like i think both of us would really like to play either triple deluxe or robobot like those two games reviewed well like they look really fun for their single player 2d platform quirky design that's colorful they've got some neat ideas with the 3d and i agree yeah, yeah both those games either or i'd like to give one of them a go um, yeah, they're so they're okay. they're on the uh, the list to, at some point to check mm. out, but I'm not going to go to the eShop and get this weird mini game that's just part of one of those games on its own. Who likes uh, the mini games and Kirby games? They're in almost I, every Kirby mm, game. Yeah, I think you'd be surprised. That's There's probably weird. quite a few people. Um, I like the ones in Canvas Curse, like the day to day, like Minecart one. I thought was fun. Um, there's there's some cool stuff in there that I think mm. you know back then I was more invested in hey oh, I'm going to do everything in this um, but yeah I, they they announced that there was going to be a multiplayer thing coming out uh, the end of this year um, so we'll see what that is but I don't really have very high hopes um, as many people say uh, Kirby is the death knell of a system uh, when a system is going to die put a Kirby game out there and guess what they're doing they're doing three so you know it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Happy 25th anniversary. Happy 25th anniversary, Kirby. Uh, It's time to lead the funeral procession. Um, uh, So the North American Direct then got Bye Bye Box Boy, which, uh, you know, we've had that for a month. So good job, America, catching up. Took your time. Uh, But you're finally there, which I still... Oh, my God, Bally. I really want to play this game because, you know, I I know you had your issues with, uh, you know, Box Box Boy not being as, uh, you know, great as the original because Mm. it wasn't... Didn't really do too much different... What I've seen from trailers and stuff from this one, this is the step. This is the big jump up. There's some cool mechanics going on this game. I'm going to grab it soon. I'm going to start playing it. I'm looking forward to it. So um, look out for that because uh, uh, I will be talking I might about try that probably. It down the line, depending how hot you are on it. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know because, um, you know, I imagine it's going to be very similar, but there's going to be some cool things in there. So, so we'll talk about it. Uh, and for, for the European Direct, we had. Uh, the most mythical of video games in history um i think it was back in 2012 or something that they announced devilish brain training which was the follow-up to brain training it was on 3ds it came out in north america like four years ago and since then it has literally been listed on every single press release as tbh not tbh uh tbc to be confirmed i don't know yeah whatever whatever they use um uh and every time don koopman on twitter is always like still there still there they're still saying that devilish brain training is coming out and all these games like come and go you have like fucking the two wii u uh project giant robot and all that stuff and those kept appearing on the list and they disappeared because the wii u was dead and they weren't going to do anything but all this time 
it stuck there devilish brain training and they actually in the nintendo direct they did like this fucking vhs filter on shibata of like as if this happened like centuries ago him saying it's coming out mm. and they're like finally it is coming out in this summer devilish brain training and i love it when they just they can just step back and have a good laugh at themselves so that when yeah, they exactly. they've just they've just been idiots so this is it's just great random and yeah it's great and especially because this is like the european specific direct so the only people who care about this or even know what it means are going to be the people watching this and even then the subsect who even get the joke that's going there is like so minuscule but uh, as someone who got the joke i appreciated it so i had no idea i just had no idea I, yeah i, I mean like, you know just going on just from like years of uh, i've heard dan on lots of podcasts and um you know i follow him on twitter so i see him talking about that stuff a lot um he must have been yeah. freaking out he was he lost his mind it was great so <laughs> i appreciated that um uh so yeah that that was our our version of box boy because we we already had that game um uh there, there was more amiibo coming out ballet uh smash brothers they finally are doing the smash brothers amiibo seems weird to me with how they're not talking about hey there's going to be smash on switch yet but we're going to put out these amiibo in july what does that mean are we going to get a shadow drop is a shadow drop coming are they I, just gonna be yeah. like smash brothers is out now I'm That'd not convinced Smash is coming 2017 yet. I think there's, yeah. I think there's going to be. We know Mario Odyssey's this year. We can, yep. we can get all hyped about E3 in a later podcasts. But I think that whatever big is coming in November, whether that's from Retro or Nintendo or someone else, whether it's Metroid or something else, I, I it just doesn't feel like it's going to be Smash. And like you've got uh, the Mario Kart remake coming out this year. You've got Splatoon 2 coming out this year. Like, would they really bank all of their big online multiplayers in one year? I just, I can't see it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for them, probably. Um, but, but hey, I those think... collectors, they got to get their Amiibo. So I guess that's why it came. It's a bit strange, yeah. though, the timing. I see what you're saying. The thing I do like about uh, these Amiibo is they're doing two versions of each one. And in each case, it makes sense. Like you have Cloud, uh, you know, regular Cloud and then Cloud from Advent Children, I think it is. Um, uh, so you've got the two styles of him, which are kind of very different. Then obviously Bayonetta has her Bayonetta 1 and Bayonetta 2 look. And uh, the big one, I think, is Corrin because you've got the male and female Corrin. They never did a female Robin uh, back in the day. So I'm That's glad they outrageous. are. Yeah, I'm glad they're doing that. And I think female Corrin is probably the one that I prefer anyway. So if I were to go out of my way to get another Fire Emblem Amiibo, that'd probably be the one. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they look good. Are you so. going to get more Amiibo? I don't know, Bally, if I can scan them in. I and mean, get there are some team. more Amiibo later in this direct. Which I now it. have a new 3DS Bally, so I can scan my Lucina Amiibo into Fire Emblem Fates. I'm looking forward to doing that, so... I'll let you know that when that happens. I've still got your code name Steam, unfortunately, so you can't do that yet. Oh, yeah, right, you do have code. Fuck's sake. Oh, fine. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, uh, how about uh, you can you know borrow my Lucina and, and use her in that game? That'll be fun to talk about. Um, sure. But yeah, they also did more Zelda Amiibo, which we knew were coming because there was people who uh, hacked into the code of Breath of the Wild and were like, oh, there's you know Majora's Mask stuff and Skyward Sword and, and Twilight Princess. So there are those three. The Majora's Mask one looks great. I think mm. the Skyward Sword one looks fucking bad. His face is so squashed and fat and weird. I don't know. <laughs> it was some the, the look of that Skyward Sword link. I wasn't having it, Bally. It was strange. Like, and I do like the idea that there are these more. There's more link amiibo as bad as that sounds because like their functionality in 
Breath of the Wild so far, and I know I've only like scanned my Toon Link one once, like it's kind of nice seeing all the Zelda generations come together. How did you get the boomerang from scanning it just once? That's like one of yeah, the rare I, items. It's, it's just hilarious that a chest just drops out of the sky. And you yeah, just and then all these the fish just kind of flop about. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. So I, I'm, I'm not an advocate for trying to promote Amiibo, and I don't think they're a great idea in the long run but they're obviously a money maker they obviously have appeal uh, and i think based on the fact that you're accepting they have appeal and they make money why not do some interesting zelda related ones with breath of the wild so it's nice that they're coming yeah absolutely um not gonna begrudge people for those uh, i think breath of the wild probably in recent times the only time i felt that amiibo have been worth a shit so <laughs> um you know right it does something. Uh, they also announced some new Joy-Cons. Uh, not the ones I wanted. Where are my D-pads, people? Come on. Um, but uh, there's a new Joy-Con color. It's neon yellow. I think it looks fucking hideous. Uh, it's <laughs> it's just like there's neon blue and neon orangey pink on the current, uh, obviously, red. colored set. Red that I've got. Yeah. Um, those neons are bright, but this yellow is like a tier above that. It's not even like a, a sort of mustardy Pikachu yellow. It's a very no. kind of... It's a sour face. yellow. It's like a yeah. So, it's really lemon. Not even lemony. It's brighter. It's like a toxic, yeah. uh, bright. Yeah. It's it's just a bit much. It's it look makes your switch just look like I don't know a nuclear reactor. Yeah, right. Yeah. It does kind of have that feel to it. Um, so I feel like because we're gonna be getting like new games with diff- different themes like arms definitely has that yellow boxing glove stuff going on yeah um so i guess that's why it's a very but bright popping game isn't it i i imagine we'll get like i think these will look much better but a pink and green neon set for splatoon 2 because those seem to be the colors they're going with with that mm. game um i think that would actually look really good so that might happen but um then we're moving on to the switch games uh some more mario kart 8 deluxe nothing to say there it's mario kart you're gonna buy it if you want it if there's not, no more, there's no, I don't get it with, the, with this game. There's no more tracks. Like, I would genuinely be tempted if they just added in, like, four to eight more tracks. But there's just none. It's only battle Maybe. mode cars and characters. There are so many fucking tracks in this game anyway. I think that they decided most people haven't played this, so we shouldn't bother you know yeah. like it make it makes sense like for the non-wii u owners they're gonna get a game which is the biggest mario kart game ever made so and it's a great package it's a, for that absolutely yeah for, for that it's absolutely but uh i'm gonna skip that we'll we'll see if that goes down in price give us the real um, deal mario kart in the future that's what we want to see sure uh then we have ultimate street fighter 2 which has that stupid first person mode where you can hadouken people oh damn um, that was that yeah. was so funny yeah, it's really silly. Uh, <laughs> Minecraft is the big one, Bally, which is coming out in May, uh, I believe the 12th or 13th. It has the Wii U uh, Super Mario pack uh, coming with it, so that's great. What uh, is that I, pack? Is it just a world where all these structures already exist? I don't actually know. Strange. Um, I, I think it might be. I think you might get certain blocks which let you do, like, question mark blocks and things like that, maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure, to be honest. Like, I, I didn't really... You know, I, the only platform I play Minecraft on or have ever played Minecraft on is on the PC. And, you know, I was in it very early. I, I bought Minecraft when it was still in beta for, like, 10 quid or whatever it was. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been a long time since I kind of dug into that game. But it's, you know, it's it's still the biggest game in the world. So you know nintendo need to have it and i think it's a great fit on the switch um 
I wonder if they'll add touch control to that game because I, I feel like there are a lot of kids who have grown up playing, um, you know, Minecraft on on iPads well, and things like iPad. that, and are very used to doing that. So I'd be interested if they actually added that functionality uh, hmm. if you're in handheld well, mode. An actual Switch game that would work with just by holding the tablet, which very yeah. few of them currently do, I guess. It could be yeah, there's like one called Voez, which is his rhythm game, which does, but uh, that's about it so far. Uh, but you know i think a lot of people are like well where's the first party game for may it's like mm, well minecraft's coming out on it so i'm not sure you really need mm. one like even to this day minecraft on wii u is consistently the best-selling thing uh whenever you know charts for that digital download stuff come out so and it's like made its way right up to the top of like the download charge charts i should say on the wii u eShop if you check it out yeah um and uh yeah i i, I just think you've never been this is a very interesting case because aside from the vita version which you know no one owned a vita uh you've never really had a good opportunity to play minecraft handheld with a real control scheme right so i think on that promise alone there'll be a lot of people who double dip on this version in particular Mm. um so so that's probably going to do well for them uh then we have arcade archives which is uh, it's more of hamster porting over some of the neo geo stuff which they've been doing on bunch of platforms recently i watched a video because i'm you know a lot of this old stuff i'm not very familiar with at all bally like both of us have very bad knowledge when it comes to arcade stuff when it comes to anything kind oh, of pre-nes yeah. um and uh, i watched a video from super bunny hop who's probably one of the best youtubers uh doing stuff these days he does very interesting work um where, where he played 32 snk uh, games in 24 minutes or something it was, it was a video that had some sort of title like that but he went through like the whole history of, of their like back catalog and all these fighting games and everything um and uh, so i recognize a few of those which was interesting and i know lots of people are interested in that stuff i think they're just generally straight ports they're not really doing anything crazy with them um but yeah good for people who like that stuff there's also already a bunch of that stuff there there's like metal slug and uh whatever stuff you can already get so it's interesting because all this stuff is being branded without a virtual console label on it. It's just they're putting it out as a as a thing on their own. And I wonder how much that plays into Nintendo's strategy going forward. Um, virtual console. But we'll see. Uh, Sonic is a thing. And he's coming. Sonic Forces, Sonic Mania. Um, Sonic Forces, uh, we've seen gameplay. And same with Sonic Mania. There's not much new here. Are you interested in either of these games, Bally? Because... For me, I really enjoy Sonic Generations, and it looks like Forces is kind of a sequel to that, uh, whereas Mania is the fans coming out here and uh, kind of making a new thing that is an old thing that I think a lot of people are jazzed about. Yeah, I'd be interested, but uh, it's just a case. I'd like to see some reviews. I'd like to make sure that that, that version yeah. that comes to Switch uh, is a great game, uh, and it has to be great, uh, because like we've said, there's so much around at the yeah, moment. Yeah, that's the thing I worry about, is with Sonic Forces coming out on PS4 and Xbox, I don't know if it'll run that well on Switch. You yeah. know, if, if so we'll kind of... see. Uh, Sonic Mania, I'm less interested, perhaps, in going back to like a classic Sonic, especially when I've not played uh, yeah existing classic sonics uh, i mean i'm a big fan of sonic advance like you know i'm I, I really like that game and i didn't enjoy sonic 2 as much i haven't actually finished that game but i remember you bought it for me ages ago on yeah. the console and, and i mean um, i had a blast with freedom planet last year so right yeah that but that was doing like its own thing i feel and i did that right. it was like a nice itch that was scratched and i'm not sure if i can i can go back to that Totally, I think Freedom Planet does a lot of things that kind of yeah, uh, fix game. the Sonic Sonic design. So, so yeah, um, we have Project Makuru, uh, which is it's basically that mini game in Crash Bash 
where you're on oh, pogo yeah. sticks and you're painting the floor, <laughs> but that, except you butt stomp. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw Crash that. Bash like, oh, from what, 2000 is... and... What yeah. year is that game? One? I don't know. Probably before that, yeah. Who knows uh, when, when that came out. No, We used to play that quite a lot. It's a great party That's game. Great I think game. Crash Bash is better than Mario Party. Straight up. Apparently um, Mario Party is fucking garbage. Come on, you know. You know uh, it is. I'll tell you what, when you get those Pokemon Stadium 2 games out, that's when no. the real part is. Uh, so, yeah, so Project Makura, I don't know, it's just, uh, it, it looks like a thing that should be sold for £5, and they're probably going to sell it for 25 so <laughs> no thank you. Um, then we have some, we're going to go fucking Japanese, son. Let me tell you about some fake Stellar Switch. How about some Disgaea 5 complete? How about some Poyo Poyo Tetris dropping them blocks on you? Um, yeah. Disguise 5, it's been out on PS4, and hey, you have it handheld now. Fake Excel, I don't know, it looked like it's some fucking garbage anime dynasty warrior, so <laughs> who cares? Uh, uh, yeah, and Puyo, I actually downloaded the demo for Puyo Puyo Tetris because they Did put that like up on the it? eShop. Uh, yeah, you should give it a go. You should give it a download, Bally, and try it out. There's actually a two-player mode, so you can play uh, with Caroline and, and yeah. try that out. Um, bit of, uh, bit of Tetris going on. It's, it's. I'm really bad at Tetris. I played against the the computer and lost like four times in a row. <laughs> like I can't. I'm so. Are you bad not at this. good at Tetris? Really? No, I suck at Tetris. I'm really bad. Um, I like. I like playing Tetris, but I don't. I don't think I. I have the. I, I haven't figured out the tactics or the techniques yet. You know, mm. like you need to have the strategy down. I don't feel like I ever have a strategy down. So that's my problem. But yeah, you should definitely download it. It's free, so you might as well give it a go. It's something else to play on Switch. And um, obviously, with the true. two Joy-Con, there's, uh, there's some local multiplayer built in. So um, so yeah, good, good time. Uh, they then showed Monopoly, which you can use HD Rumble to roll dice. I thought that yes. was neat. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm weirdly kind of up on this announcement in the sense that I think the Switch is actually a really good venue for kind of board <laughs> someone, game versions. Someone tweeted, but does the Switch... Switch's battery even lasts the length of a game of Monopoly. Oh my god, <laughs> that's really like, good. There's like that is a very good point. I don't. I mean, even... I would ima- I would imagine that the Switch's battery would lean more towards the six-hour length when you're playing Monopoly, right? Because right? there's not. And a lot it's going not on. a real tweet because like, I I know my Monopoly MZ, and the second you have a computer being the banker, a computer doing all the transactions, you can right. do a digital game of Monopoly in less than an hour, easy, easily. Oh like, wow, it's okay. Consistently around forty five minutes because i used to play digital monopoly with the family on the good old gamecube back in the day right sit around in the evening get it up on the big screen we play with one computer and then my two parents and yeah it worked really well yeah um, we'd play like two games in a row back to back 45 minutes each oh wow Um, yeah well, I know, Bally, that you're obviously now, you've ascended, you're a board game snob, you think Monopoly is garbage. It so, is garbage. Uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate that that's your perspective. I still think Monopoly is okay. It um, is okay. But, it's not garbage, but, uh, it's okay. I, I think this raises a more interesting thing where, like, hey, the Switch is this thing you can take anywhere, and as kind of a digital board game, you can just lay it flat on the table. Like, mm. it seems like a, it's, it's a good way of experiencing that stuff, so... So I hope they do more things like that. Uh, you know, there's the Jackbox Party Pack coming out soon, which is really cool, and that's a thing that I think uh, is a great showing off the system because it's you know you, you use your phone and you answer these questions. It's it's very very cool. Mm. So um, Rayman Legends is coming to the Switch. As I said before, it's Rayman Legends. If you didn't play it, play it. It's a fucking amazing game. Um, if you did, 
Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> then we have Cinemora X and Battle Chasers. Both of these are games being published by THQ Nordic. Um, and Cinemora is actually a Suda game, uh, Suda 51, who you know made No More Heroes, does all that stuff. Um, kind of side-scrolling shooter, which has been out on other platforms before. Looks okay. It was a bit framey. There's one thing I'll say about some of these trailers: don't show off your game with a garbage frame rate. Just to, like especially with that anime a few fucking bad few frame rates you were commenting on. Actually. Yeah, Fate Extella had garbage frame rate going on. I was like, no. If if I wasn't as disinterested enough with anime Dynasty Warriors randomness, then this garbage frame rate has me even less interested. So thank you very much. Um, and then uh, Battle Chasers looked really cool. Actually, it had this nice art style to it. It's an RPG. I believe it was kickstarted. Uh, I think it's based on uh, some some comic series. Oh yeah, this was the cool looking RPG. Yeah, totally. Uh, had kind of isometric perspective going on. Mm. I, I kind of like the look of that, so I'll I'll keep an eye on that and see how that does. Um, and uh, and then we had Payday Two, which that really came out of fucking nowhere, didn't it? <laughs> like, okay, um, that was weird. Uh, you know, Payday's been around for a long time. Payday Two. It's gone through various controversies because of its microtransactions, and there's been things said about that game. I love but... that a game called Payday has like a controversy with microtransactions. I know, right? Like it's kind of perfect uh, when, you, when you really think about it. Um, but that game is, as a premise, I think it's really cool. It's like, hey, get your friends together online and rob a bank. Like it's, it's a neat idea. Um, and I wonder how well it's going to work on Switch and uh, if it will look... It, looking at that game... I guess you need some voice controls, some like uh, voice mm, chat, don't you? Yeah, you really do. But looking at the footage, it uh, didn't look very good. Like visually, you can tell it's like a PS3, Xbox 360 version being put on there. Um, very, very obvious. But, you know, when the Switch is something you can take with you, I'm not sure that really matters to a lot of people. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's Again, it's weird because this is a very online-focused game. So it seems like the sort of thing you'd play at home anyway. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that does. I imagine it'll do terribly because d- despite the fact it's a third-party game, it's not. Re- I don't think Payday 2 is that, like... It's not really something a lot of people care that... There are a subset who care about it, but I'm not sure there's a, there's a crossover. Like, in the same way that if they brought out something... Like, obviously, they couldn't, but Horizon... If the Horizon came out on the Switch, I think that would be way more, um, you know, uh, successful than something like mm. Payday 2. Um, so anyway uh, Namco Museum was next again this weird kind of trend of uh, not being virtual console but still being old games being released as a package Um, we'll see how that goes Uh, so if you want to play Pac-Man you can do that and then on the North American Direct they closed it with uh, aside from Splatoon by talking about the standalone dock being available again which I thought that was available and they took it off the store and there was some weirdness but hey, if you want another dock for your Switch, is this just if like your dock breaks or something? Like, what's the? No, I I, th- I really think it's just for people who have multiple TVs in a household and want to right, be okay. able to put their Switch in whatever one they want, okay. right? Because um, I've been a little, I mean, traveling with the Switch, I have been ever so slightly scared that the dock, because obviously it's it's like a big U shape, a big V shape, isn't it? And you're, right, I, I, yes. Part of me is ever so slightly concerned that the two sort of wings of those that you would want to like squash together and could okay, potentially yeah. crack or snap but mm. it's such a in and of itself it's such a small piece of plastic that 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 in and of itself would be difficult to do sure. i think but uh it's interesting i would be keen to pretend if i had if i had the house with loads of TVs where I'd constantly swapping between the two i'd i'd be interested in that yeah totally 
Um, so let's talk about the big guns then, because this uh, direct was mainly focused around two games coming as, out very soon. As Jeff Gersman said, like, does arms have legs? Yeah, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to find out pretty soon, I think. Um, so arms was the first one they focused on. Uh, we had a release date of June 16th, I think a little later than maybe people imagined. Um, I actually think that's kind of smart because... For me, anyway, like uh, there's a big game coming out in May, which is Fire Emblem. Which uh, you know, that's a it's a 3DS game, but I think it's still like a significant game in Nintendo's portfolio, mm-hmm. as opposed to these other 3DS games. I don't think are as significant. Um, and then obviously you have Minecraft on on the Switch, so you're kind of covering your bases there. And then you have Arms coming out in June, which is literally it comes out the Friday of the week of E3. So uh, E3 happens, and then we get to play Arms basically. So. Uh, hopefully they won't spend too much of their time at E3 talking about this game because it will be out, essentially, as yeah. soon as it's done. Um, so a couple of things revealed. A new character called Min Min. Uh, she has dragons on her arm, and her arms are made out of ramen. Um, and then we also have a four-player versus mode, which was revealed, which certainly got me a bit more interested in the game. Like, it gave a bit of more of a Smash Brothers dynamic um, yeah. that I thought uh, was, was very cool. But from a base level there wasn't too much information given about like single player mode or anything to do with right. like what what the broader kind of context of arms is going to be aside from just fighting in arenas online and i know it's a fighting game so that's going to be the core of it anyway but for me i need to know more about this and i think ultimately i need to play this game before exactly. i can make a decision um so i was very surprised they didn't announce any kind of you know test fire-esque thing um I imagine it'll probably happen, but it would maybe a little early for them to do one. Mm. Uh, I think the Splatoon one was generally like more of a marketing thing than anything else. Um, but they'll they'll get to arms and yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about this game so far? I, it's it's definitely grown on me as as we've it, gone it on. It has I think grown on me. When a, it... a lot of the negativity with arms was couched in nintendo's focus on motion controls and yeah. the switch reveal which just brought it down in everyone's estimation i think yeah and like it's the switch reveal and everyone gets hyped up for the biggest nintendo names we're talking mario metroid these sorts of games and it's it's right at the top of the show and it was like here's arms and it's motion control and everyone's like oh god what is this and at that and point then, in time we didn't know you could use a normal controller with it we didn't either know you could so. use a normal controller i'm incredibly intrigued by this game i love the art style it's like it's all it looks like a nintendo take on overwatch which in and of itself is very cool um, yeah totally I, I think the character design is fantastic i i completely agree with you mbz the two things for me are the multiplayer is looking good i'm liking the the sort of variety of characters the variety of weapons uh, the variety of modes multiplayer wise but the, the two things i really need are an in-depth single player um, and something akin to uh, or deeper than what we got with Splatoon. Like, it has to be something a bit like that. Something where you can just really kind of hone your skills and go away from the online melee that it is and practice by yourself. And secondly, I just, like you said, I just need to try this thing. I need to get my hands on it. I'm not adverse to to being i'd be keen to play this game using the joy con and not do traditional controls definitely yeah i'm, I'm certainly going to try it and, and see which one sticks um i imagine the joy con will be like splatoon where you know a lot of people didn't want to use the motion controls but the best players of splatoon are motion control players you know yeah. i think i imagine the best arms players will probably use the joy con um, we just need to we'll, try we'll it out so I think this game has an awful lot of promise, and I'm not writing it off yet. Uh, it needs to it needs to do a couple things more before I get this 
at launch, uh, let alone perhaps at all. I like, I need a couple of a couple of things. But I, and we were t- discussing this at the time, MBZ, But this game is either going to like crash and burn, like a codename Steam, or it's going to be a huge like Splatoon. And like, it's 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 very difficult to see it doing something in between those two. Yeah, it's. Uh... I, I think that they need to do a good job marketing this thing, and I, you know your Overwatch comparison is apt because that game was so successful because Blizzard's marketing of it was fantastic, like all mm. those animated shorts and they're you know uh, using these characters as um, this kind of uh, stepping stone to get people interested in the game, and I think nintendo has the ability to do that with arms and i have no doubt there will be amiibo with fucking springy arms that you can move about (laughs) and all this shit um and i also have no doubt that if this does well that these characters will be in the next smash brothers and all that stuff but um first of all they need to give us more compelling reasons to be interested in it because uh, it was cool watching the fight but the fight and the commentary was a a segment is it it's just no experience it it dragged that section, I think. And, uh, you know, we can talk about this more broadly afterwards with some of the, the email stuff, but there was a weird mismatch between the bullet point just rapid fire and then the let's go in deep on arms and Splatoon because mm. it, it felt a little bit of a, a disconnect going on. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I definitely want to try the game. That's my number one thing is I need to get my hands on it and see how it feels. Um, and that will very much influence my decision on, on whether this game is worth the time or not. So, so and that I'm is. Confident, uh, I'm confident one of us, or perhaps both of us, will be. This game is crack. Like we need it. Like we'll, we'll try yeah. that demo, and it'll just work. And I think yeah. that's the thing with this game is beyond the modes and the single player and what everyone else would talk about. If that if the if the game feel feels good, like a first person shooter, like any other shooter, like a fighting game. That's the hook, isn't it? Because you're doing that same action a lot of times because that's ultimately what the whole game's structured around. Right. It it needs to have mechanics that are fluid and and satisfying, really. And that's uh, a core aspect. That's, you know... That's why I play most video games is, hey, does this Mm. this a good thing? Uh, Feel good. So... uh, And I think ultimately for us... It's either neither of us get this game or both of us get this game. Yeah. I don't see an in between <laughs> because I think a lot of my enjoyment will be derived from facing you online. You know, mm, definitely. So, so that's going to be a big deal. Uh, so yeah, moving on from arms, then uh, we had a lot of Splatoon. Not really a lot of Splatoon, but some weird Splatoon stuff going on where they did this VHS thing, um, and it was like, oh, the, I, the way they are, the way they talk about Splatoon is all this fucking research lab shit, and there was a stream of Splatoon two where, where the treehouse people were dressed up in lab coats and shit. Like they just go fucking all in with Splatoon, <laughs> like when it comes to representing it in this way. It's like, oh, we did this research on these squids, and we discovered this, and look at this footage we found. It's very, very in universe. I think they very much like doing that in universe stuff. But the core of the Splatoon stuff was we have a horde mode in Splatoon, um, and I think this is the first time where I've been like, okay they're distinguishing it from splatoon one like this is a brand new mode it's very similar to a lot of other video games done in the past but the first time uh, splatoon has kind of given this a shot and uh, it looks pretty interesting um i am someone who has never been super into horde modes probably because i've never really had that many people to play them with so i've never really 
gone down that road i think a horde mode is very predicated on having a group of friends uh communicating with one another and you know being online together and that just hasn't occurred with some other games i've been playing so this one definitely seems like okay me and you could get in on this we could get a couple listeners in some people we know uh and uh have a good time just taking on groups of enemies mm. at once uh yeah how do you how do you feel about the the salmon run mode is what they're called yeah it. salmon run i i love it i love the idea i'm a, i having not played many shooters the few i have played i do enjoy some sort of horde mode and sort of i played a bit of battlefront last summer and it was quite fun just sort of facing down waves of uh stormtroopers and things like that and i like the idea of a horde mode in itself what i particularly liked with splatoon 2 and what they they showed of this horde mode salmon run is that it just fits thematically in with everything they're going for. So the whole point is that Incopolis is like the city, which is the central area that you're spending most of your time in. But this is a sort of like on the outskirts of town where everything's a bit dodgier, a bit darker, a bit more unusual, and everything's darker colored. And these salmon are kind of coming out of the water and marching towards your central bases. And I love the idea that sort of in the first game, you're playing as squids, but the enemies are all like octopuses or octopi. And now they needed like a new enemy for this game and they've decided to go with salmon and all of a sudden it's like these these uh uh what what's the word you use to describe something being human like like uh uh, it's, uh, uh anthropomorphized. it's like anthropomorphized salmon exactly so i think it's like a nice thematic thing uh to go for and i think what is important to work out and we'll kind of equate to how much time we spend in this mode as what the reward is so they basically told you that you will collect these orbs or bubbles or something i can't remember quite what they're called but they said you will spend those orbs or bubbles on something later and it'll be interesting to see uh what that equates to because right so there's there's carrot on the stick essentially is like you're not just doing this for the sake of saying i got 50 waves in a row like there's going to be material reward for you doing that which i think is important yeah and like it all looked really good like the design the the structure the the fact that like you you defeat them they drop these bubbles whatever and then you 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 have to deliver those bubbles back to your your base absolutely so uh yeah i'm I'm looking forward to playing some of that with you when it comes out um definitely feeling better about buying splatoon 2 with some new stuff coming with it and uh still interested in that single player and i think they kind of hinted at hey there's single player stuff we're gonna talk about later at the end of that um so so look forward to that and i think you made a good point about the enemies being differentiated i think that's something that it's one of those things i think is probably the weakest aspect of breath of the wild is enemy variety right yeah like you, just you fight the, these enemies yeah. and they're just palette swaps of, of other ones across the <laughs> world point, yeah. um uh, and i think that the switch from the uh octolings to hey this is completely new uh thing you're going up against it, it like materially it doesn't make a difference because you're still killing things you're still taking things down but from an aesthetic point of view it freshens it up uh which you know hey splatoon so of course it's always gonna be fresh um really fresh so uh so yeah i think that pretty much covers um basic thoughts on the direct uh we do have uh, some emails though so bali would you like to go ahead and read uh, the first email 
Our first email is from Daniel P, who's from the internet. Hey, Bally and MBZ. Uh, after watching the latest Nintendo Direct, I wanted to write in my impressions. Overall, I think it was a good Direct. I didn't expect too much since E3 is only two months away, but they still showed a few things that I'm interested in, like Ever Oasis or Fire Emblem Echoes. Even Monopoly is something I would consider getting on Switch, depending on the price. But the two big things were obviously ARMS and Splatoon 2. I was already able to try ARMS at a Switch preview event, and even though I'm not that much into fighting games, I really enjoyed it. After what they showed yesterday, I got even more excited for this game to come out. While the new characters and the different weapons were interesting, the new maps we got to see were what caught my attention the most. Them and the commentator. I hope he will be in the finished game as well, maybe as an option you can turn on and off. My favourite part of the direct though was the new horde battle mode with Splatoon. I could easily see myself enjoy that mode the most if there are enough maps. Lastly, I want to talk about something I haven't seen mentioned by a lot of people. The Direct's new style. I liked how they changed the design and structure, but I think they went through most games in too short amount of time, and I got an eShop real vibe from it. I honestly couldn't take all the information in because of that. It also makes each game shown this way feel less important, in my opinion. Granted, some of them are, but not all. I know most people probably like it this way, but... Uh, more because it means the viewer is less likely to get bored at this pace compared to how they talked about some games for too long in previous directs. But I wish they would still uh, take a little bit more time to spend on the bigger games. Keep up the good work. Okay, so I think it is interesting to discuss how the direct was fashioned because we have our new main man, Yoshiaki Koizumi, my favorite dude at Nintendo right now, the king of the hill, who uh, took up the presentation style for most of the January uh, Switch reveal event. What, what's um, his official title? I I actually am not sure what his official title is. I know he's kind of the head of a lot of software stuff right now. Um, right. He's he's uh, kind of overseeing a lot of that, um, like the the studios SPD or I think it's EPD now because they fused SPD and EAD together. So it's EPD, I believe. Okay. Might have fucked that all up, but uh, I believe that's uh, the kind of hierarchy that's going on. Um, because you have uh, Takahashi, who's kind of in charge of the the hardware as well. I th- I think that's correct. Um, don't quote me on it. We need to figure out more about these new faces. But uh, you know, Koizumi is like he is Nintendo's new Miyamoto, essentially, because mm. he's the guy who is behind like the Galaxy games, and um, you know, he worked on like Majora's Mask, and he's he's worked on a, a bunch of games in the past uh, that are kind of like modern classics. Uh, many would say so. I I do like him a lot as a presenter. I think it's unfortunate that he doesn't speak English like Iwata did, so he has to be translated over. I think um, it was slightly different because in the European directs, because there are so many languages it has to be put into, they subtitle him, so they don't have a, a voiceover. But in the American direct, they do voiceover mm-hmm. him. And like he might be working on that. Like he might come back in a direct at a later date and speak like the the pre-recorded English Iwata used to and things like that. Maybe yeah, we'll see. Yeah, um, that that could be cool, but I definitely think he has he has a real like style to him and a, mm. a great like personality that he comes looks across like, on screen. I am a cool dude, Japanese yeah. game developer, and like that's yeah. just such a that's what you want to see, don't you? Like that's yeah. what Nintendo are about. I think ultimately this direct didn't really give him much of a chance to show off uh, at all. He was kind of just a talking head, uh, just you know presenting the information. Um, but we've we've seen that he can do that other goofy stuff too. So I look forward to. I hope he's a part of their uh, E3 stuff. Like I think yeah, he'll be really good. Yeah, the digital event. 
yeah, the digital event stuff, that would be uh, very, very good to see. So so hopefully uh, that happens. But in terms of this pacing, uh, it, as we said, it was very kind of up and down. Like you had the quick hits and then you had the really long sections on Splatoon and on arms and um, maybe a bit of a mismatch. But I, to some degree, disagree, uh, you know, with this email where mm. he feels that he wants more information on some games i think they spent the perfect amount of time on the games yeah. that needed to be spent like i think most of those uh, announcements were superficial things like we know sonic forces and sonic mania are coming to switch we don't need you to show us the same footage we've seen 20 times before just to tell us it's like an extra bullet point for no reason other than to pad out like how good they look and like in terms of how much software mm. they have coming um and maybe you know that's more for the I think there are a lot of people with Nintendo Directs who don't pay, you know, as close attention as we do to the games industry, and so they'll be like, "Oh, what's coming out on Nintendo's new thing?" And they'll see, "Oh, Sonic!" Like they maybe wouldn't right. have known you just that need before. A little quick nod, right? Exactly. And I think these quick nods were exactly what those games deserved, from my perspective. Like I think maybe they could have gone in a bit deeper on Mario Kart if they wanted, but you know, for most people, everyone knows what Mario Kart is. I don't think they need to talk too much like it's the exact same game but we've added things and it takes two seconds to tell you what has been added um you know there are there are some things like hey pikmin which maybe people will want more information on because you know it's a pikmin game so people Mm. have higher hopes for it potentially but not sure that game's really gonna do that well i don't think it's gonna be that important in their lineup so they spend like an appropriate amount of time on it i think that generally I think the one thing that a lot of people are annoyed about is they kind of kill their own surprise because every time you look at that screen there's this list and you you can mm-hmm. look ahead and see what's coming so it it creates this situation of number one it ruins the surprise number two it means you're not paying attention to what's happening right now because you're paying attention to what's going to happen and exactly that maybe takes a bit of the focus away i i agree i i loved the pacing but i agree with you i i I didn't like the lack of surprise based on the fact they had the list so like i how many times in previous directs or digital events or anything for that matter have we just been like uh they're spending too long on this game that no one cares about and they just it just feels like we're getting too much of like a demo described or some random feature of a specific game and we're like just race on to the next thing and i just that's what i loved about this is they decided like right okay splatoon 2 we have to talk more about and arms we have to talk more about these are like two big blockbuster games coming for nintendo switch this year in the next few months let's spend more time talking about those and here's a long list of stuff that's coming out on 3ds and things you know about already but are either smaller games or we already know about them or they're sort of you know japanese ports and it's a set it's a case of let's just race through these games and like you said someone who's not uh tuned in all the time to games media might tune in just to see what they can pick up on their new on their new switch or something so they might be like like you said oh sonic's coming i might think about getting that later so i i loved that it just raced through all these things and then they said oh but here's splatoon 2 Here's a new mode, Salmon Run, etc. Let's talk about this. And they delved deep on that. I really enjoyed that. And they just did not spend much time at all on things I didn't care about. I don't think there was a single thing I cared about that they didn't spend a lot of time on. And as a yeah. Nintendo fan, I'm, I am I was happy with that balance. Uh, and I hope that they do the same in the future. But like you said, that they just don't do the list. Just race through the same things. But we don't need the list that might ruin a bit of the surprise. Because surprises are also like some of the best things about 
direct, like not knowing something. Uh, so yeah. we'll see. I, I, I think they already had a format for this, which was the indie presentation, which was basically what we just wanted, which was, hey, game, 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 without any of the surprise being lost and mm. always having something moving forward and not really spending too much time on anything that they didn't need to. Um, so... So that is has kind of been solved to some degree, but you know, again, uh, that production is a production of Nintendo of America, whereas this production is a production of you know the Japanese arm. So um, you know, you can kind of see the different styles going on. Obviously, they kind of vet it and put it through different processes for different regions, but um, it's it's definitely uh, a, a new thing. And you know, there was new logos and stuff at the start. I definitely think that they're doing a bit of a soft reboot almost of the yeah. direct format. Um, and I appreciate that because I think, you know, uh, they need the to <laughs> yeah, break away, make it distinctive um, and, uh, you know, get these these new faces out there. And that's great. Having Koizumi really uh, enjoyed his presence. So, yeah, I look forward to what they do with E3. Um, I hope that they're uh, it's a good presentation because, uh, you know, there's so I think E3 is one of those weird things where the pacing can be kind of hard to judge, uh, especially given like the time that you're allotted. Mm. But uh yeah i think i think they'll do all right so so we shall see how about our next email yeah let's do it our next email is from a service is from the internet hey pikmin after the nintendo direct this week it appears that nintendo's pledge to keep supporting 3ds into 2017 was not a hollow one as some myself included had suspected to be fair, a lot of games we're getting are games that are already out in Japan, and we're just catching up on them, such as Yokai Watch 2, Metopia, Monster Hunter Stories, RPG Maker, and the no longer TBA Devilish Brain Training. See, a service is someone who got the joke. Right, he gets it. But that's not <laughs> to say that 3DS is not being supported in Japan, with Lady Layton, Dragon Quest Eleven, Radiant Historia Remake, and The Great Ace Attorney 2, in decreasing order of how likely they are to be localised. Along with Hey Pikmin, Kirby Downloadables, Everoasis, and even a kind of new Fire Emblem game. Were you guys surprised by how much 3DS content is coming in 2017? Is it possible that there is still more to come? Are Nintendo scared of killing off the 3DS prematurely without a dedicated handheld to replace it? A service. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very interesting question. Um, and one that, you know, at the end of, I think, 2015, people were questioning how much life the 3DS had left in it. Because I think 2015 was kind of a bad year for that system. Mm. Uh, didn't really have anything significant coming out on it. And, you know, it was kind of, it was hitting the kind of four or five year mark of a handheld where you're thinking, oh, okay, they're probably going to reboot it. But because of Nintendo's unique situation with the Wii U tanking so horribly and the Switch being on the horizon, they felt like they needed to keep the 3DS around. And last year, it was like the RPG maelstrom when it came to 3DS. Like, so many things came out there. And it was all capped off by Pokemon Sun and Moon, which, guess what? Gave it a shot in the arm and had brand new people, like, picking up the system and getting that game. So, to that extent, I'm not necessarily that surprised. Uh, I do think that in Japan especially, it makes way more sense because... The 3DS is the video game market there. Like, that system is probably in 20 times more homes than the PS4 is. Like, it has a market penetration that no other system does right now in the current marketplace. So having things like Dragon Quest and, and you know, Ace Attorney uh, still popping up makes perfect sense for that region because we need to see how the Switch does. And, and whether it's successful or not very much determines the lengths to which 3DS will continue getting support. And I think... 
as we've seen so far, the Switch has been selling incredibly well. Like, it's doing very successfully. It's hard for people to find. Uh, but I... I, I need to see how much better the Switch does along this year in order to get a better idea of whether or not Nintendo are going to think about bringing over 3DS games by 2018. Um, mm. Because I'd love to get the 3DS version of Dragon Quest XI. The more likely scenario is we just get the Switch version, which is the PS4 one. Um, I'd love to have Radiant Historia remade, but how many people are going to buy that potentially? Obviously, mm. the Great Ace Attorney, like there's no fucking chance in hell when the first game of that wasn't even localized so um these games are all coming out in japan because the 3ds is so strong there do they come here that's the question yeah i think as long as you have 3ds is selling and you have games selling for those systems regardless of whether that's japan or the rest of the world you can't just cut that off because there's a new system when the the market share that those sales make up and the amount of turnover and amount of revenue that is created by those sales in terms of Nintendo's pocket, you can't just take away those revenue streams and immediately replace them. Like, it's a gradual process. And right. the Switch has started very well, but it has only been out, like, a month, a month and a half, uh, two months. So we just have to wait. And like like you were saying, I mean, like the Game Boy was meant to be a third pillar for a while. And that wasn't because it was never going to be a third pillar or was always going to be a third pillar. It was just hedging their bets and making sure that if the DS did fail, which it didn't, that the Game Boy could be the brand that Nintendo stuck with. So the 3DS brand is a strong brand and you can't get rid of a strong brand without replacing it with an even stronger brand and the switch isn't yet a stronger brand than the 3ds so you just have to be careful when you spend so much money and put so much effort into building up a base of units sold and a library of games that are very very strong uh, and a brand that is as strong as the 3ds you can't just get rid of that because the very very top tier of that fan base are buying systems like the Switch Day One and want as many games as possible on their new system, like us, for example. Like we're right. It's it's, it's a it's a new console launch. We've got we've got Breath of the Wild. That's a fantastic game. Uh, like we've mentioned before, there is a big game coming out every month up until July, already confirmed. That's good, but obviously we want more games and a larger breadth of games. But it just takes time before it's in Nintendo's interest to just completely pile everything onto Switch. Like, for example, it's very interesting that with this Direct, we had nothing to do with the Switch in terms of uh, updates to the menu or eShop or Virtual Console or, like, online functionality in terms of chatting with others or message boards and things like that. So there is so much more to come on Switch. It's just about... uh, Especially when you have these two major online games coming out soon and they were the focus of this presentation and we still don't know the voice chat situation and anything to do with that. Um, Yeah, it's uh, that's that's a weird one for sure. But uh, I think it's very telling when you look at that 3DS lineup. 90% of those games are, hey, this is for the Japanese market. Why don't we localize this so we have some software in the West as well? Mm. Um, And that's ultimately how i'm viewing the 3ds situation is they need to do it for their home territory and it doesn't hurt to 
localize these things as long as they sell okay and i think they do sell okay because there's still a huge market out there for those uh those games i don't know if metopia has a market but you know it probably tanked in japan so <laughs> they might as well give it a second chance and do something hmm. uh and uh and we'll see if if that works out but um was i surprised by how much 3ds content is coming in 2017 yeah a little bit but uh but i don't know how much more of that there is to come and ultimately the amount of it that is to come is dependent upon the success or failure of the switch within 2017 um and uh and i'm sure we will come out at the end of this year knowing one way or the other uh whether that will happen hmm. so have any so, yeah any final thoughts on the on the direct mz yeah, how how are you going to rate this direct, uh, Bali? It's pretty give, good. Give me a, a grade. I'd give it. A, I'd give it a ten. I'd give it a six or a seven out of ten. A six point yeah. five. I think that unknown stuff we didn't know before the direct that we know afterwards pretty minimal. But uh, fleshing out big games coming out like Arms and Splatoon two, I think they did a decent job, uh, and they just have a lot more games, even if many of those are on three DS. Uh, and I think combined with the the Nindies Direct they did, if you're looking at the potential of investing in a Nintendo Switch and the games coming to that system, I think you've definitely seen enough, before we've even mentioned E3, to think, hey, actually, there's a lot coming to the system that is very interesting between indie games and stuff like Splatoon 2 and ARMS and other Switch games that were shown. Yeah, the thing that's really stood out to me since the Switch launched is... Every week, there is a significant eShop game to be talking about. And that is something that, you know, the conversation around Wii U never really got to that point. And we had Zelda, that was great. Then Snake Pass came out, and a lot of people were kind of chatting about that. There was some buzz. Then um, uh, some great, Graceful Explosion Machine, that uh, shooter, came out, and people were having a chat about that. And just recently, Mr. Shifty came out, which is that kind of Hotline Miami-style top-down like action game, which just came out. Like, there are, it seems, especially from the release dates uh, coming out of this, that like every week on the eShop, there's going to be something coming out that people are somewhat interested in. And it's not just ports from other platforms. It's like indie games that are either coming here for the first time or exclusive to the switch or have a timed limited window um that's great because i really think that that has been uh, something that has helped people stay engaged with the system even though we have these kind of larger gaps between the big releases uh so so far so good i would say in terms of kind of keeping a pace uh to the to the switch releases um guess we now just have so... to look onto the horizon at big e3 which are, like like has been mentioned is a couple months away yeah, it's uh, way too close, uh, and uh, before we know it, we're going to be there, so uh, very much looking forward to that. I think we're going to get some cool announcements, and um, Nintendo have something to prove, I think, so I think this is a year where they need to really big out, bring out the guns, uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but that, uh, my friends, is going to be the show for today, and it's going to close things out. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, have to have a, you know, every time there's Nintendo Direct, got to have a big old discussion about it and uh, uh yeah that was our thoughts uh you can send your thoughts as well to the podcast at various different places about various different things uh mainly though through our email address which is bally our email address is this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com send us an email send us your thoughts 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we I think we still have a, a few emails, but we'd like to get some more uh, going back to a regular email segment next time. So if you've not written in before, let us know. Give us some thoughts about any topic Nintendo, anything video game related. We love hearing from you. Uh, it's always, always a good time. Uh, you can find us in various places on the internet. On Twitter, I am at LordNBZ. Uh, Bali, what is your name? On Twitter, I'm at Ballyman91. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1. And you can also follow the podcast twitter account that is at tnl podcast that is the best place to go for everything podcast related from videos on our youtube channel to our cries for emails uh, and letting you know when all the latest segments are broken out on youtube and the whole podcast goes up on itunes and other podcasting apps Absolutely, uh, and you can find that YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thisnintendolife. You can find us on iTunes and other podcasting applications, no matter what you have, uh, by uh, just searching for us, This Nintendo Life, and you can subscribe to us there. That's always a good thing. And you can also review us on iTunes. Uh, that's also an important thing, perhaps the, the most important thing regarding the show. Uh, so we always appreciate it when you take time out to uh, to give us a review. Uh, helps us greatly. Uh, so... That, Bali, is going to do it for this week. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode of This Nintendo Life, and we'll continue the march onwards uh, towards the electronic triple, uh, which will be a fun time for all. Um, And, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Goodbye. interlude used for today's episode was Life Will Change from Persona 5 Copyright Atlas 2017 We got to see where my attend which let me start the sentence again (laughs) Alright wait uh, sorry I literally ran away because my nose was going crazy. Oh, right. So I, you I, thought, I oh, like, it's a long email. Let's run yeah, away. I'll come email. back. I'm just going to go and get my It's all going to work out. Oh, no, but Bally cocked up. And I, I come back and the first thing I hear is you just fucking it up. So, <laughs> so that, that works.